Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio, bringing to you one of my favorites from the archives. Enjoy this episode as we put together a brand new format for you to enjoy starting at the beginning of the year 2022. I'm looking forward to that. Enjoy this episode. So I'm glad to be here with you again today, coming at you from the Live On Purpose studios in Orem, Utah. And I have a a special guest again. My guest today is life coach, counselor, therapist, extraordinaire, Summer Morris. Hello. I'm glad to be here with you. It's good to have you here, Summer. I'm glad that you've uh, joined us for this podcast today. We've got, a, I think, a fascinating topic for today's discussion, and it has to do with self-esteem. Right. Now, you and I have talked a little bit about this. Actually, we've talked quite a bit about this in the past. Yeah. And we're both coming from, from a background of helping people in a counseling setting mm-hmm. to take control of their life, really, but to help to, to understand especially how their emotions interface with their behaviors and with their relationships and everything else. All areas of their life, absolutely. And how you feel about yourself has a heck of a lot to do with everything else that's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to give you just a few minutes okay. to introduce yourself a little bit. Tell our listeners who you are, what you're up to. Just take it away for a minute. Okay. Will you? Well, like Dr. Paul said, my name is Summer Morris and I've been working with him for the last four years or so and um, as a counselor and have recently licensed in June and have more, more so, more recently, um, be, became a life coach with Dr. Paula and the team at Creation Tree Coaching, and I'm really excited for that area. It's it's definitely a different um, outlook and a different way of communicating with people, and it's really exciting. And I look, I look, really look forward to it. It's been really fun so far, so I hope it continues mm-hmm. to go so. Well, and it's interesting, isn't it? Summer coming from a mental health background. Mm-hmm. which both of both you and I do. Right. And we've worked together at Preferred Family Clinic for quite a while. Yeah. And uh, I want to give a little shout out to the clinic too, because what a fantastic service is being provided there by a team of skilled therapists to help people overcome some of the barriers that they face. And traditionally in the mental health world, where we talk about diagnosis and insurance billing and all of those kinds of things, uh, it's just a powerful intervention, you might say. Well, and it's a when tool. When something's like, gone wrong, right? I think it's a tool that many people don't recognize or don't want to um, have and be an aid in their life. But when they do, and when they choose to allow that aid, extraordinary things happen, and amazing things mm-hmm. happen in their life. And there's freedom and peace and happiness that's created in their life. It's a pretty amazing mm-hmm. experience. Summer, you and I have been affiliated with that clinic for eons. <laughs> At least I have <laughs> <Yeah>. been. 
And uh, I wanted to take just a moment, and I talked about this a little bit last week with Ross Moore, who's okay. also in Creation Tree. There is a difference between therapy and coaching. Right. And I get that question quite often. What's the difference? <laughs> how, that, that, how is it different? Why is it different? If you'll think of it in terms of a spectrum of mental health, and on this spectrum, it starts clear over on the left-hand side with illness and sickness and pathology and diagnosis. Well, what's on the other end of the spectrum? What do you think most people say, Summer, when I ask that? There's normalcy. Right. Being, or <laughs> I'm health. Normal. Or, I'm okay. And I'm going to put that right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Because, well, think of it in terms of your physical health for a minute. You can be sick, in bed, having a fever, blowing chunks, whatever you want to... <laughs> I shouldn't get too graphic. Huh? And, and it's clear to you and everybody else that you're sick. Right. Okay, there comes a time when you get over the fever, you're not feeling so sick anymore, you get back out of bed, and you're no longer sick. So that's right in the middle of the spectrum. It, if sick is on the left-hand side, then not sick is right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Well, there's this whole other side of the spectrum. Over here on the right-hand side, if you're picturing it graphically, where you go from just being not sick to being truly fit and, and thriving and prospering and living the life that you love. That's the way we like to talk about it here on Live on Purpose. <laughs> well, that's a whole different ball game and uh, dealing with the sick. Completely different emotion. There's a completely different emotion I think that's involved of not feeling sick anymore compared to like the words they used, you know, thriving and feeling prosperous. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more emotion that is greater that we don't often include in our, in our vocabulary. That's right. And so uh, one way to look at the differences between therapy and coaching is to look at that spectrum. And on therapy, we're trying to help people to get from the sick end to the not sick place. Mm-hmm. Right. And hopefully, I found this in my therapy practice, that I was often able to take people beyond that not sick place to where they were really doing quite well. But there's a problem that occurs because in that model, typically it's an insurance pay model. And what does the insurance company do as soon as you're not sick anymore. They cut you off. You don't need to be in counseling anymore if you're doing okay. (laughs) That's right. It's no longer medically necessary. Right. That's the terminology in the insurance world. But does that mean that there's nothing else to do? Absolutely not. No. And so that's that's where coaching comes in. Uh And for those who are really interested in taking their life, I like the book by Jim Collins. It's called Good to Great. What if you could take this life that is good And turn it into a life that's great. Wouldn't that be awesome? What if you could take your current income and double or triple it? Wouldn't that be cool? What if you could take your marriage and transform it into this wonderful, great marriage? Uh, So it applies in every aspect of life. And that's what coaching is all about. And Summer, as I've watched you make a similar transition to the one that I've made, going from the therapy to the coaching... And still doing a little bit of both. Uh I know that you're still involved with Preferred Family Clinic and doing some of the therapy end of things. Yeah, I am. But you've really taken an interest in this coaching Mm -hmm. also. Right. What is it that appeals to you about that, Summer? Well, as I I think it was, we're, you know, visualizing the spectrum again. I think that it's, there's definitely a need in both areas. And for me, one of my 
you know, life purposes and mission is to make sure that I'm doing my part to help all areas and not just one side of the spectrum or the other. I feel for me, and it's different for everyone, but for me, I, I right now in my life, I feel that there's a need for me to be doing both things at once. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, I think that, you know, again, the different population of people you work with, um, there's a need in all areas. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like That's true. that I, that I'm needed and I want that I feel like that my skills and my abilities can better um, both populations of people. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm really excited to continue to do both coaching end of things really excites me because I think there's a stronger, again, like I said earlier, there's a stronger emotion that's involved and a need for um, greatness instead of just mm-hmm. goodness. Like you had said, to use those words, there's a need for greatness in people's lives. And I think we get too comfortable not feeling sick or feeling, you know, that things are normal. And I think that there's something beyond that. And I really am excited about helping people see that. Well, if we go back to the book that I referenced earlier, Uh in the opening lines of that book, he says, good is the enemy of great. (laughs) And that's because of what you said, you know, you become comfortable Mm -hmm. or satisfied or complacent even in the place that you are, because it's not bad. Right. It's good. Right. You know, but then your motivation to become great gets tapped. So let's, before we go to this first uh, commercial break, I want to talk about the topic that we'll be introducing, self-esteem. Right. This is a word that's tossed around a lot in the therapy world, Mm -hmm. but also in the coaching world, because this is something I think everyone deals with. Is there something you'd like to say about that just as an introduction to the topic? Well, one of the areas that as I've, you know, met with a number of people, this is often what uh, we talk about. Whether you present with a concern about one thing or another, often self-esteem comes up as one of the barriers that is holding them back or that's that they feel like is binding them in their progression. And I think oftentimes as adults, we toss that word around more so as children and thinking, okay, how can we build this child's or this adolescent self-esteem? And I think as adults, we don't put enough effort into maintaining our self-esteem and increasing it. So that's one of the areas that I would really am just passionate about and talking about. I'd like to, through the course of today's discussion, Summer, I'd like to dispel some of the myths about self-esteem because a lot of people really don't understand this thing. Uh-huh. And they have they have an understanding of it that's actually keeping them more captive. Yeah. It's not allowing them to move forward. For example, they'll rely on other people to build their self-esteem. Yes, absolutely. No, I think there's a lot we can do for each other to help and to validate uh-huh. and to, to build each other up. But as long as you're putting that responsibility on someone else, you're missing the boat. Right. Because what happens when they are gone? Mm-hmm. What happens if there isn't anything external that's coming at you? So one of the common beliefs, and maybe this is one of the myths that I'd like to dispel, right. is that I will have healthy self-esteem if people treat me well, mm-hmm. if people say nice things to me. If I achieve a lot, right? you know, these are some of the common ones. And uh, I don't know if now is the time or not, Summer, but uh, at some point during this discussion, I'm going to throw something out there that might just kind of tip people over a little bit. Sure. Uh, But that's okay, because we're going to help you back up. (laughs) It's reassuring, right? (laughs) I want to tap on some of your expertise and your experience and skill at this point. Because you have 
you have come to understand this thing in a way that a lot of people haven't. Let's talk for just a minute about the development of self-esteem, kind of your take on where it comes from and, and this whole concept of self-esteem and how we, how we develop it. Sure. I, um, one of the areas that I think, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think sometimes we focus so much on developing or building self-esteem, um, towards children and towards adolescents because we fear that, that they won't feel okay or that they won't feel accepted or, um, you know, appreciated or they won't feel good enough. And so we really focus on that a lot. Um, as we, you know, on children, towards children. And I think if you look at it almost in, you know, the word building, we think of the word building self-esteem. And I, you know, just for a visual picture, I'm a visual person, so I like to provide Mm -hmm. visual aids for people. But if you think of building something, you know, think of building your home or think of building just something um, out of blocks or something like that. It takes work and it takes skill and it takes effort. And it doesn't just happen because someone says, Good job. You are mm-hmm. great. It doesn't come from those things alone. One of the areas that I have read and researched a lot, especially in the development of this for early on in your life, is that um, self-esteem does not come from praise. It actually comes from praising effort and praising work the effort that you put into it. So when you see a child mm. and, or an adolescent and you look at something they've done, oftentimes we think that we are doing a good job when we say, great job, you know, look at that A or look at that mm. picture. It's beautiful. And Focusing it's, on the results. Huh? Absolutely. And I think that's where we um, are mistaken in, in our efforts to help build self-esteem as we focus too much on the result of what happens versus the effort and the work that they put into what they're doing. Um, that's really where it, it comes mm-hmm. from and it is developed. And um, it's really interesting. There's an article that is entitled How Not to Talk to Your Child and that I just love and have loved it for so long because it really helps us as adults understand our role in developing self-esteem for people. But again, I I think that's where I feel like is one of the earliest um, developments in, in, in self-esteem. However, as adults, as we mentioned earlier, one of the things I think we focus on again too much is the external validation Mm. that we receive. And in fact, self-esteem is one of the areas that internally it is much more important and validated that we uh, gain that is in the internal versus the external sense of the Mm -hmm. word. You know, as you were talking about that, I I thought of uh, some discussions I've had with Woody Woodward. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to get to know Woody much, but uh, if, if for our listeners, if you go to lawofimportance.com, you can get a little introduction to Woody and some of the things that he's doing. And he talks about that very thing, about how uh, becoming more internal mm-hmm. in the motivation mm-hmm. uh, is a key to success right. and prosperity. Because as long as you're relying on external factors you're waiting for that stuff outside of you to change before you can be okay. Yeah. And that is so common in people's concept of themselves. Right. I think you develop these, you know, talents and abilities as, you know, a child or as an adolescent or even as a young adult. And I think sometimes we cling on to those as our areas of self-esteem and, and many mm-hmm. of them are external. You know, I'll use an example, a sport example or a dance example or a, um, 
you know, a leadership example of some kind where, you know, you were praised a lot for your academic performance or your dance ability or your athletic Mm -hmm. ability. Well, as you get older, you don't get that praise from the coach or from your teachers or from your parents as much in those areas because they're not there anymore. And so we have Mm -hmm. to really understand, you know, look at it very critically and develop that internal self-esteem so much um, so that even if those external things disappeared, that we would still have that sense of worth and validation and goodness. You know, I have, I have known and observed and seen for quite a while now that people tend to be their own worst critics. Absolutely. And uh, this is an interesting phenomenon because Uh, there are standards or criteria by which you judge yourself. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't apply those same standards and criteria to someone else. No. For the most part. I mean, you're you're holding yourself to this just unrealistic standard. Mm -hmm. And if you see anybody else doing exactly the same things that you're doing, you wouldn't judge them nearly as harshly. Never, never. We have very high expectations for ourselves and we give others the benefit Mm -hmm. of the doubt most often. So here's where I want to tip you over just a little. This is great. (laughs) Because, and and I've been fired for this before summer, (laughs) when when I suggest that people's people's problem with low self-esteem is actually a problem of pride. And that's where they get you know, they a get little hot under the collar. Sure. Yeah. And they don't see it right off, but let me help you to see it. And it has to do with this standard that I was talking about, because you're holding yourself to a higher standard than you would hold anyone else to. Mm-hmm. Well, why is that? Are you a special case of some kind? <laughs> see, now it starts to sound a little bit more like pride. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I have, um, some scriptures that I like about this too. Uh, one in particular that says, remember the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. Right. All right. So if you, and I don't know what you uh, listeners believe about God or the scriptures or whatever, but uh, in this particular scripture, the context is that God has an opinion about your worth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Now, <laughs> If your opinion differs from that, what are you saying? Are you saying that your opinion is better than God's? Mm-hmm. Okay, now it's starting to sound more like pride, isn't it? Yeah. Starting to sound more like step aside, God. I know better than you right. what my worth is, and it, you know, it's low. And meanwhile, he's saying, well, I think it's high. Well, who's right? <laughs> and a lot of people who are holding themselves in such contempt hold other people in esteem, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're willing to say, oh, they're good people. Right. Often. Uh, Well, so again, what's the difference? Are you some kind of a special case? And if you think of yourself as a special case, then you got a problem with pride, pure and simple. It's easy to identify the high end of the spectrum of those that, you know, think they're a special case because of a Mm. extraordinary ability. It's okay for us to, you know, associate that with arrogance or cockiness. Kind of the I'm better than you approach, huh? Uh, Right, right. When in fact, you know, it'd be interesting for each of us to take a look and examine, you know, do they have that, that area of thinking or are they, you know excited for what their abilities and their skills are. 
Um, you know, instead of looking at on the bottom end of the spectrum, oftentimes it is that same way of thinking. Well, you know, I'm worse than them. How is that different other than the change of better? Then mm-hmm. this, it's the exact same words, but it feels really different to us when we hear it. And I really challenge all of the listeners to examine the difference of when they say those things out loud or when they say those things to, to, to or about other people and hear how different that feels. Mm-hmm. It's using a vertical scale. Right. If you put yourself on that scale and you say that you're better than someone, you can see how that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And most people would agree, oh yeah, that's not a good thing to do. But what if you put yourself below someone? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. That's what you're saying, isn't it, Summer? That it's the same problem. Yeah. And you're going a different direction, but it's exactly the same problem. Absolutely. Think about it this way too. Let's say that you are putting yourself down. Okay, and you're saying, well, I'm not as good as other people. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean? Do you mean all other people or just <laughs> some other people? And I've had some people be so bold as to tell me in my office, no, I mean everybody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? So you're the bottom. The very you're The bottom. very bottom slot. <laughs> okay? And then I throw out some fun examples like, you know, Saddam Hussein and... <laughs> Just to get him riled Ones up a little. that most people so would agree. <laughs> you're worse than him too, huh? <laughs> you know, and, and, and then they'll say something like, well, I shouldn't judge him. I don't know his heart. You know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Okay. Well, what are you doing? You're judging someone. And just because it's you doesn't make it, make it right. Absolutely. There's still a problem with pride. Yeah. I love that example. I think, I think that if, as people examine that, you know, and look at, there's just a difference of words in there. The emotion still rings true. The emotion is still the same, but we are so quick to give everyone else an excuse, um, versus ourselves. We are again, like you said, our worst enemy sometimes because we label, um, those strong words and we give others, you know, excuses or we give them the benefit of the doubt. But when it comes to ourselves, we have these extremely high expectations. And a lot of that, again, I think comes from who we were at one point in our life. You know, if each of us can look at Mm -hmm. and think of when did I feel the best in my life? What was I doing and who was I with? And um, what were the accomplishments that I had? And then we look at things, how they are now. Most of us will say, well, that was in high school or, well, that was when I was little. And we really discount our experiences as, as adults and don't give enough credit to our confidence and our self-esteem today and, and the accomplishments that we've made as adults. And the focus is often, as you're pointing out, is often on the negative aspects. Mm-hmm. And we lose track of all of that positive stuff. And there's always more good stuff than there is negative stuff. Right. There's always more going right than there is going wrong. And some people will challenge me with that thinking. But even at the worst parts of your life, uh, you know, you can, you can do a little inventory. Mm. Well, do my eyes work? Uh-huh. Uh, do my ears work? Right. <laughs> is my heart still pumping? Is there still air to breathe? Mm-hmm. Is there still beauty to see in this world? There's so much that you just miss if you get your focus too much on the negative stuff. And when you focus on it, you get more of it. Definitely. That's something we've talked about a number of times on this show. It tends to increase if you focus on it. Absolutely. Our areas of accomplishment seem to diminish as we get older. We've we've dispelled some of the myths about self-esteem. And it's bringing up some questions in my mind. Okay. Some that I've thought quite a bit about. And, uh, I've helped people with before too. And that is, what do you do about it? Mm -hmm. 
So I want to throw that out to you, first of all. Okay. And just kind of pick your brain a little bit about what can someone do? Let's say that I'm a, I'm a client, mm-hmm. okay, and I call you up and I want to come in and get some coaching or some therapy from Summer Morris. And one of the things that I share with you is that I really don't feel very good about myself. Okay. In fact, sometimes I might think I hate myself. What would you do? What would you tell this person or how would you counsel them? Well, I think, again, I think sometimes in the healing area of this, we kind of are are often focused or we get stuck on the myths and we it's, it has to do with allowing yourself to think differently. First and foremost, it has to do with mm. allowing yourself to think that you might be wrong <laughs> about <laughs> your opinion about yourself. Summer, I love that. <laughs> I love that. You just said probably the most important thing that people can understand, and that is that they have to think differently. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that's created in your life is there because of your thoughts. Yeah, exactly. And I think we don't, again, I, I've mentioned, I've said these two words a, a lot over this time, but I think we don't give ourselves enough credit. We, we discount it and we need to recognize that it does start with your ability to think differently and allow yourself to envision yourself to being, you know, feeling something, something different. I've often said to people, okay, let's just picture this, almost a picture this moment mm-hmm. of picture yourself, not feeling the way that you do. What would you do? What would you do in your day? Mm. You know, how different would your choices be? What would you do? Who would you be with? Where would you go? And, you know, it's really interesting because most people will just look at me with a blank stare and think, I don't know. Because they don't give themselves... They haven't themselves, even thought about that, no, have they? No, they're so stuck in the thought patterns of, I'm I'm right about myself. I have to be this way. I'm not good enough. I'm not okay. And, um, it's amazing to them to even ponder on the fact that they might be wrong about their thinking. They've never even allowed themselves to think differently or have the Mm -hmm. opportunity to challenge their thinking. And so that's first and foremost, what I do with people and for people is I challenge their thinking that they may be wrong. And then we talk about different characteristics and abilities that they might have to increasing their confidence and in increasing their worth and self-esteem. And one of those areas is I think we discount the word character a lot in our vocabulary. And, and that's one of the areas I really ask people. So what do you think the word character means? Having character. We look at people sometimes and some of the strongest people we look at and think, oh, wow, they have an amazing character or, you know, they have this or that. And I think we discount that word so often. And so I want to attach some strong words, um, with the word character and now those are integrity and honor. Um, I love those two words to use Mm -hmm. with, used with that word of character, um, integrity, you know, what does that mean for someone holding true Mm -hmm. to themselves and being true, um, and honor is living to me is, you know, there's lots of definitions, but for me, honor is living true to those things that you hold true about yourself. And, um, Mm-hmm. that's where I really challenge people's thinking on is what is your character? How strong is it? What does that mean to you? And because we don't, like I said, we don't even really say that word. That's kind of a mm-hmm. word that we don't use in our vocabulary enough. Well, and you're, t- you're redirecting them with those kinds of questions. You're taking them from that external focus back to an internal focus. Mm-hmm. What's going on inside of there? Right. 
I thought of a couple of questions that I like to ask. Good. Too. And uh, one of those is, are you sure? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, when they say, oh, I just don't feel like I'm worth anything. Are you sure? Or the, a question of, I don't think I've accomplished what I thought I would as an mm-hmm. adult, you know? And then another one I like is, how do you know that? Mm-hmm. Who says? <laughs> Who says? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one too. <laughs> how do you know that? And really what it comes down to is, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel that way. Right. That's just how I feel. Mm-hmm. As if their feeling is evidence enough that they're right. (laughs) You know, and they miss the whole concept that your feelings are caused by and driven by your thinking. Mm -hmm. And to highlight that, you know, the word feeling and emotion, I think one of the other areas that I really try and help people understand is that self-worth and self-esteem comes from from, again, here's an internal skill. It comes from being compassionate um, and using your ability to have compassion for people. There's a difference. When I say that word, I really want you to think about what that means because it doesn't just mean going and doing nice things for people, you know, doing Mm -hmm. some kind of act of service. That's not at all what compassion means. And I think sometimes we, we uh, we can have a lot of compassion for other people, but we don't mm-hmm. have compassion for ourselves. And that's a really bold, strong word. Again, words that we don't often use to describe ourselves. Um, we give it to other people. They're mm. really compassionate. But um, in order to continue to develop and maintain um, and progress in your self-esteem, I think that it is take a look at the word compassion in your life. Think how much you give mm-hmm. to other people and to yourself in that area. And what would it look like? Mm-hmm. If you were to truly have compassion for yourself. Right. And why would you exclude yourself? Again, are you a special case? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to say that, you know, there's something about you that that excludes you from this general principle or rule that that governs compassion? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, I think um, one of the other areas or one example I think of that is, you know, when you think about compassion is the word initiative and taking initiative in your life. I think sometimes when we're feeling really low and discouraged, um, if you look at what it is that you're doing, you're kind of, you know, Paul, this is rings true for your, the title of your show, but of, of live on purpose, because I think often what we do is we just let life happen. We just Mm -hmm. let it happen around us and we fall, keep falling and keep falling and keep feeling constantly feeling worse about our abilities and our talents and our accomplishments instead of making your life happen. We let it happen to us. And, to me, that is, you know, mm. one of the biggest areas of weakness that we have is we allow things to happen. And even, you know, therefore, if we allow the action to happen, our emotions are going to come through with a response and usually they'll be negative. Mm-hmm. They'll be negative about that. That's right. Asking the right questions makes a big difference too, mm-hmm. don't you think? Yes. Yeah. There's a whole, and I, I'll do a whole podcast episode about this at some point, but there's this this uh, paradigm, there's two different paradigms that you can choose, the victim or the agent. Mm -hmm. And a victim question is something like, why me? Right. Why is this happening to me? Mm -hmm. You know, why now? These these are victim type questions. I just read a book not too long ago called QBQ, The Question Behind the Question. 
I believe the author on that is John Miller, if anybody wants to look it up. But uh, in this book, he suggests that there's, there's a better way to ask questions. And the, the, the first guideline is that this question should start with the words, how or what, instead of who, why, or when. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you start with how or what. The second guideline he gives is that it should contain the word I instead of me, we, or they. Sure, reinforcing the internal. Right, bring it Mm -hmm. inside. Mm -hmm. And then it should be focused on action. So that's the third guideline. So a really great great question. If something goes wrong in your life, and, (laughs) and again, I'd have to ask, well, how do you know it's wrong? You know, a lot of things just happen in life. Sure. And some things are painful. Some things are difficult. That doesn't mean that they're wrong or bad. It just means that they're painful or difficult. Mm -hmm. And you get a whole package of those things in your life. And at that time, what if you were to ask an agent question instead of a victim question? What could I do to improve this situation? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. It starts with what? It's got the word I and it focuses on action. How can I make a difference here? Mm How can I turn this into something positive? You know, when there's a Mm -hmm. horrible situation, often we just attach that with a negative consequence. Well, how can you turn it into a positive one? Even if Mm -hmm. it is a painful experience, how can it, how can you again, make it happen instead of letting it Mm -hmm. happen? How can you make it happen so that there's a positive outcome? Mm -hmm. That's right. Asking the right kind of a question is going to help with your Mm self-esteem because it's going to get you onto the paradigm that leads to freedom and happiness and prosperity and success rather than the paradigm that leads to captivity and misery and, and all the yuck that you have to wade through if you choose to be a victim. Right. Absolutely. Here's another one that I really like. And actually, this is a message. It's not a question, but a message. And especially for you parents out there, but really anybody who's got a relationship of any kind. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's pretty much everybody, right? <laughs> pretty much all of us. If you can send the message to those important people in your life or your children or your spouse or even yourself that you can handle it, that, I think, is one of the biggest self-esteem builders. Mm -hmm. And it it doesn't help. For example, if you're working with kids, and we could have a whole show probably about how to work with kids, which we'll do, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Good. uh, What a great idea. (laughs) Um, When you're working with kids especially... Uh, some people get into the trap of saying, of reassuring them, oh, it'll be all right. You know, that's not a bad thing to say necessarily. But sometimes you don't know that everything's going to work out, mm-hmm. you know, the way that somebody wants it to. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll find your lost thing. Right. Or to, maybe you won't, you know. Oh, so-and-so won't die. Well, they, they will, will actually. Yeah. You know, so don't make promises you can't keep. But what if you were to send a very different message and the message is, I know you can handle this. I know you have what it takes to handle anything that comes. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be here for you. Mm-hmm. And I know you can handle this. What an incredibly powerful internal, you know, pondering thought that they would think as, you know, as a child. We've got a brand new show here. This is our (laughs) second episode. Those of you who are listening in, thank you for, for subscribing to this show. Back to our topics. One of the things that some of my clients tell me when we're talking about self-esteem, how they feel about themselves 
is they say, but I really do have these weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as if, okay, then you can have low self-esteem. Sure. That's all right. Then, yeah, you're okay. Talk about the weaknesses for a minute, will you? You know, I think that's one of the areas that we just um, really fall short in exploring and, and, and looking at, you know, one of the things that I've realized through working with people for so long and through acknowledging through my own abilities and strengths is that sometimes our greatest strengths and our greatest areas of confidence and self-esteem come because of a weakness that we once had. And I, I challenge again, I pause for just a moment because I really mm-hmm. want you to challenge your, your thinking a little bit and look back on, you know, what are the areas that I just feel I excel in right now and, or that I've really struggled with excelling in. And often they will come, they will be there because of a weakness that we once had. And I think sometimes we don't allow ourselves to have weaknesses. We think, oh, well, self-esteem, that means we don't have any weaknesses. We don't have any faults. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, I hope not. <laughs> we have to be this perfect person. And, you know, we don't. That There's never going to be a perfect person. You will never be perfect. You will never be perfect at all things. And I think we have to allow ourselves to have faults and acknowledge that, you know, Sure, I've got them, and that's okay. I think we need to have humor. <laughs> Sometimes that's the mm-hmm. easiest thing to, you know, recognize. Is I I often do that. I know the areas that I have that I am weak in, and that because I know them and I acknowledge them and I take responsibility for them, I can laugh at them and joke about them, and I can also, most importantly, see if I can make them a, a great strength and a great accomplishment mm-hmm. that I can use. That's you know, I'm working on a book. That's based on the theme, leveraging life's liabilities. Mm-hmm. And I, I've thought of a subtitle of, uh, what do you do with a pile of crap? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'd that's sell better. One. I don't know. I think it would. <laughs> but, uh, basically it's an acknowledgement of just exactly what you're saying. Everyone has weaknesses mm-hmm. and listeners just think about what your favorite weakness is yeah. right now. You know, the one that you cling to, the one that you blame for your low self-esteem. The one that just eats at you when you're, when you're thinking about what you want to change in your life. Everyone has them. Think about that question of, you know, what do you allow yourself to always go back on when you don't excel or when you don't feel accomplished? You know, think about what you say to yourself. Oh, well, that's because mm-hmm. of this. Oh, well, that's because of that. Well, guess who has the ability to change that? You and- do. Your circumstances in life just don't matter that much. (laughs) Quit kidding yourself. They just don't matter that much. If you don't believe this, I want to turn your attention to a couple of things. In fact, you can go on the internet. You can go to YouTube, which is just, it's a place where people post their own videos, (laughs) right? There was one that really inspired me. If you go to YouTube and and you search for Ben Underwood... Okay, have I told you about this I one summer? I haven't seen that, no. Ben Underwood is this, I think he's 15-year-old kid who at the age of two, I think, had some medical problems and both of his eyes were surgically removed. Oh my goodness. And he is completely blind as a result. Does that surprise you? No. <laughs> he has no eyes. How could he see? So he's completely blind. Well, in this video that you can watch online, He's being interviewed by this television reporter, and they're walking down the street. And he's not using a cane or a dog or anything. He's just walking down the sidewalk in his bare feet. And he's doing fine. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a garbage can that's sort of tipped over and sort of blocking his path a little bit. Well, as he approaches the garbage can, he just kind of veers off and walks right around it and then gets back on the sidewalk. Now, think about that for a minute. How did he do that? Yeah, well, that's what the reporter was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you notice that he's doing this clicking sound as he walks. He clicks with his mouth. Okay. And he, he gets around the same way dolphins or bats or, you know, it's called echolocation. Mm-hmm. He's learned how to do that, for heaven's sakes. Wow. Okay, and this kid gets on a skateboard. And he's out skateboarding on the street. And there's cars coming. And there's parked cars. And he's missing everything. He's doing just fine. Now, here's the point that I'm getting to. Aren't there other 15-year-olds in this world who can skateboard and who can walk down a sidewalk and miss a garbage can? Yes, there are. Of course there are. (laughs) Do you think there are some that can do it better than Ben Underwood? Sure. Sure. What makes him remarkable? What, what gives him the power to inspire the millions of people who have seen that clip? It's his disability, him. isn't it? It's his weakness. Mm-hmm. He has leveraged that liability to create huge, immense value for himself and others. It's Other amazing. people will look at him and feel inspired just by seeing that. That's Whereas right. he's not inspired necessarily because, you know, I have this ability, this, this disability. And so, you know, look at that. Look what I, you know, look what I can do. Mm-hmm. He just has the weakness and he found a way to also make it a strength or make it something he is, he doesn't see as a disability or a weakness anymore. He that's just right. went on. Wow, that's a that's powerful neat. example. There's another cool clip that I've seen. I can't tell you the name of it, uh, but it was one that was emailed to me about a two, a four-fingered piano, concert pianist mm-hmm. from Korea, I think it was. And this gal has some, some birth defects. And uh, she ended up with two fingers on each hand. And she plays a mean piano concert. <laughs> it's just amazing. You could probably find that if you Google it or something. Sure. But again, this, the point is the same. There's probably other 20-year-olds. I think she's 20-ish. There's probably other 20-year-olds who are better concert pianists than she is. Mm-hmm. But I doubt that there's anybody else out there with four fingers doing it like she is. Abs- right, right. So... Get over the fact, people, that you have weaknesses. Everybody does. Join the party. Get Mm -hmm. in line. Take a number. (laughs) We all do. Right? But get out of your victim story Mm -hmm. and and start to live on purpose anyway. If you can learn how to do that, how powerful is that going to be? I could tell you story after story after story of my clients or people who have inspired me or other people who take life's liabilities and instead of going into the pity party and the low self-esteem thing, Mm -hmm. they make an agent choice, a hero choice. You said something during the break, Summer, about superheroes. Right. Sometimes we have this, you know, mentality of I have to be, you know, a superhero. I have to be perfect. I have to be the greatest, you know, the greatest mom, the greatest dad, the greatest wife, the greatest husband, you know, the greatest neighbor or, you know, friend. And sometimes, you know, when you look at superheroes, each of them has a weakness. Otherwise, you know, what would happen? There's not a hero that we can look at, you know, in the comic book world. (laughs) 
and think, oh, they don't have a weakness at all. You know, there's That's all true, the superheroes huh? have a weakness. They all do. And, you know, because, and I, I've thought about that and I thought, why do, why are they portrayed that way? Well, if you don't have a weakness, then there isn't an area for you to improve on. And it's really not very impressive to see you get through the challenges if they're not really challenges. Mm-hmm. You think about Superman with his kryptonite. You know, yeah, exactly. Or anything else. There's always the weakness, and we all have them. Yeah, we do. Powerful message. And thank goodness. Thank you, thank you, Summer, for, for joining me today. Thank you for giving program. me the opportunity. Uh, before we wrap up, though, I want to make sure that people are aware of how they can get a hold of you. You've got, obviously, some, some skills, some expertise, some knowledge that can really help people in their lives. And I've seen you do this for years, Summer, so... <laughs> I'm giving an endorsement, a little shout out for my friend Summer Morris, who I believe can powerfully impact your life, especially, and I've seen Summer that you work especially well with adolescents, with kids. You work really well with adults too, but I'm wondering how many of our listeners out there might want to get a little consultation or a little coaching uh, related to their kids, for example, their teenagers with self-esteem issues or sure. confidence issues, and you really focus on those kinds of things. How can people get a hold of you if they want to access some of that? Well, through the telephone, um, the number is through Preferred Family Clinic. It's 801-221-0223, and you can just ask for me. My extension there is 3113. And mm-hmm. I will also, um, I'm on the Creation Tree Coaching website. Um, it's, it's summer at creationtreecoaching.com. And I will I can be accessed through the email there. So by email, summer at creationtreecoaching.com. Uh-huh. By phone, it's, it's area code 801-221-0223. Mm-hmm. And I assume that you do telephone consultation as well? Absolutely. That would okay. be great, of course. And I can Excellent. do, I really enjoy doing on um, the individual level. And I also enjoy doing mm-hmm. group, group settings. So, and speaking at groups and presentations. And I know with, um, with Creation Tree Coaching, you're one of the newer coaches and your bio and, and mugshot yeah. <laughs> is going to be on that website. It will be. Uh, so if you go to creationtreecoaching.com and follow the links to meet the coaches, they can get a hold of you that way as well. Right. And right. you're open for speaking engagements, consultations, training, seminars, all kinds of stuff. Absolutely. I would love to, to do any of those. I'm really excited about doing that. Summer, so fun to have you on board. Thank you for all of your contributions on today's program. I want to invite all of you to tune in again next episode for Live on Purpose with Dr. Paul, The Shrink Who Expands Your Life. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>